You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our special Market Talk podcast with AIB Private Banking. I'm Jane Kavanagh from AIB Corporate Treasury and I'm very pleased to welcome back Connor English, Head of Investments with AIB Private Banking and John Fahey, our Senior Economist in AIB. John and Connor, before we look ahead to what our customers might expect in the coming months, we might maybe reflect back on the first quarter of the year. And John, I might go to you first in this regard. Tell us, how has the global economy reacted to a quarter that was dominated by the vaccine rollout? So what we saw in terms of the first quarter was obviously some sluggishness, because if you think back, you know, we kind of started the year with a lot of the major economies back with national lockdowns or at least very restrictive measures in place. Uh, because of the what you want to if you want to call it the third wave that kind of hit in the fourth quarter so you know for a lot of economies the start of the year with many of their key sectors in shutdown mode uh, so it was a sluggish start uh, to the first quarter but uh, one thing we have seen in the survey data for the first quarter despite you know fairly restrictive elements been in place is nowhere near the same impact uh, from those restrictions that we saw in the first half of last year because the first half of last year especially in the second quarter, we saw you know, a really severe downturn in the global economy. So whilst the economy struggled for upward momentum in the first quarter of this year, uh, nowhere near the same extent uh, as we saw last year, because a lot of business and firms in different sectors that are impacted by restrictions uh, have been ab- better able to deal with the restrictions in place this time around. But what we have seen, though, is that the restrictions still continue to pose an exceptional challenge for, for service sectors across all the major advanced economies. But as we move through the first quarter, uh, as restrictions started to get eased uh, in some key economies, we did see that come through in survey data and and especially uh, in terms of outlook sentiment indices, you know, uh, upbeat assessment as we move into the second, as we enter the second quarter now, uh, as restrictions get eased back uh, and momentum should return to some of those key economies. Thanks, John. And Connor, turning to you and following on from what John outlined, We saw a huge surge in equities over the first quarter of the year and record highs for both the S&P 500, which was a feature last quarter, and the Dow as well. You might go into some detail for us in that. Sure, Jane. Yeah, I think we've all been looking for, you know, some positive news over the last while and certainly stock markets haven't disappointed in that regard. So it's, it's, it's almost hard to believe that, you know, the rebound we've seen over the last 12 months in equity markets this time last year, we were looking back at a drop of over 20% in global stock markets for quarter one 2020, while in contrast, the same markets uh, were up almost 6% over the last three months and close to 9% for Euro investors. So as you say, we've seen some US indices reach new all-time highs recently. And I think we can probably trace the beginnings of that recent surge back to the very start of January and possibly even back to the U.S. election in November last year. Uh, you'll recall that during, during the campaign, Biden you know, held a comfortable lead in the polls. Um, and for a period, we heard of a possible blue wave for the Democrats. But then the presidential race narrowed, uh, and ultimately the Democrats had what appeared to be a poor result uh, in the Senate and House elections. Uh, but what we saw then was in both the Senate runoff elections in Georgia on the 5th of January, the Democrats effectively won control of Congress. And from then and since Inauguration Day in particular, there's been a noticeable quickening in the pace of the vaccination rollout by Biden and his administration, and also the scale of fiscal stimulus. So 
those two factors alone have added huge positivity around the timing of restrictions being eased and the potential rebooting of the US economy. And we've seen this positivity continue to lift equities higher in, in recent months, uh, despite having already rebounded by almost 70% from their lows by the end of 2020. So as John has mentioned, you know, we're now seeing forecasts of you know, very high GDP growth for the US and globally for 2021. And that's allied to a rebound of over 25% in expected profits for S&P 500 companies. I suppose it, it, it is just worth mentioning that you know, whilst US markets um, are hitting all-time highs, European act, um, markets actually performed better in quarter one. They were up almost 9% compared to 6% for the S&P in the US. So that's a little surprising given the different vaccination progress we've seen between the US and Europe but it possibly points to the sector rotation we've seen in equities over the last few months. So this refers to the shift away from some of the big tech names uh, that we have spoken about on previous podcasts as being the drivers of index performance uh, into some more traditional cyclical type sectors, such as financials, energy and industrials, or what are sometimes referred to as, as value stocks. Uh, and typically European markets and indices have a higher proportion in these type of areas than perhaps is the case in the US. So we'd see this sector rotation as a positive move. It means there's greater breadth in the performance rather than it being concentrated in a small number of sectors or indeed stocks. And it's also meant that the valuations of some of the larger growth stocks have now come down somewhat, having been at very high levels previously. Thanks, Connor. And we saw some heightened volatility in equity markets, in particular at the end of January, which was put down to trading by retail investors in a number of small stocks. You might talk to us about what was behind that and indeed if there was any evidence of this continuing then through the quarter. Yeah, I suppose towards the end of January in particular, um, I think, you know, GameStop, which, you know, is a name that that some people might might know of uh, from selling video games, etc., you know, came very much to prominence in the stock market. And that was because of a lot of what's termed short selling. Uh, so a view formed that uh, game, the GameStop stock uh, was going to underperform or perform negatively and retail investors tried to take advantage of that. So GameStop was the most high profile one. There were some other stocks which were involved in this as well. And I suppose whilst it didn't have an impact, a huge impact on the overall market, uh, it certainly increased volatility within the market overall. And I suppose more, more interestingly is, you know, what possible longer term effects might that type of trading have on the overall market? We didn't really see it continue during the quarter. Uh, there were peaks and troughs of trading in GameStop again itself later in the quarter. Um, but I, I suppose, one, one, you know, the phenomenon really that, that it heightened or highlighted was the level of investing by retail investors in the US in particular. So obviously, you know, markets are have been historically and still remain driven by institutional and large investors, but we have seen an increasing volume of trades coming under the, the retail investor banner. And what we saw this time around was those retail investors clubbing together via social media and therefore having a much greater impact on the price of the stocks that they were inv investing in or shorting, which was another feature, you know, 
or pre- previous years, retail investors typically wouldn't have invested in the through the derivatives market. But we saw that this this time round, where a lot of the investing was done in the options market. Thanks, Kyle. That's actually very, very interesting. John, coming back to you, a positive end to the quarter. When we look to the US and the UK in particular, albeit once again, we're seeing a reimposition of restrictions across pockets of Europe. How is this going to impact the outlook for the economy as we look forward through 2021? Yeah, so I think as we look ahead, we're probably going to see uh, some divergence in performance. And it's all down to uh, the restrictions and the vaccine rollout. So Connor mentioned there just the relative success in the US and the UK in their vaccine rollout programs. Because if you look at where we are as of early April, you know, the UK currently has somewhere in the region of 50% of its population that have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Uh, The US is around 30%. In contrast, Germany is, is less than 15%. Uh, and as you mentioned in, in your question, you know, uh, France in, in the last week or so has announced a, a nationwide lockdown for a number of weeks. We saw uh, restrictions reimposed in Germany and Italy. Uh, so the news on COVID and vaccine rollout uh, is tended to be more negative from the Eurozone and much more uh, positive and upbeat uh, from the US and the UK. And, and that's reflective in the latest IMF global forecasts. Uh, for this year. So if you look at the US economy is expected to register growth in the region of 5%. UK is something similar, whereas the Eurozone growth is probably going to be closer to 4%. So Eurozone recovery will lag behind the US and the UK because restrictions are going to be in place uh, for longer uh, as a result of the vaccine rollout program uh, been much more sluggish because you can't open up your economies till uh, you have a more comprehensive rollout of the vaccine. So that's really the key determining factor uh, as we look ahead. And that's reflected then in what we're seeing in interest rate markets. Uh, so there's been a marked hardening in US rate uh, expectations uh, over the last uh, couple of months. So markets now see uh, US wholesale rates rise to uh, over 2% by the end of, of 2025. So that implies about 200 base points of tightening now priced in uh, by the market in terms of what it expects from the Fed. Uh, and it sees rates starting to be hiked uh, in the second half of next year. So in contrast, uh, back at the start of the year, you know, three-month uh, rates weren't seen getting towards 1% till the end of, of 2025, whereas now that's close to 2%. And the first rate hike wasn't priced in uh, till the second half of 2023. We've also seen some hardening in the UK in terms of rate expectations because of their successful vaccine rollout program. Uh, so rates are now seen increasing by around 100 base points uh, by the end of 2025. In contrast, you know, the market's not expecting anything from the ECB till around the midpoint of, of 2024 when it starts to see uh, some changes to the deposit rate uh, in terms of getting it back closer to zero. Uh, so really what's underpinning the outlook at the moment is the vaccine rollout programs, the relative success in comparison across the major economies and what that means then for, for the opening up of those economies. And that's really uh, the key determining factor in terms of the pace of recovery we're going to see uh, as we move through this year. So, Connor, as I say, in terms of what we've seen in rate hike expectations, that's probably feeding into what you're in the outlook for bond yields and, and the sharp upward move we've seen in US 10-year yields, especially uh, since the start of the year. Certainly, John. Yeah, obviously, what, you know, what you've highlighted there, it, that has happened in, in money market rates and expectations around um, central bank rates has been you know, reflected in bond markets during the last quarter. We've effectively seen, seen a doubling of the 10-year bond yield in the US going from about 0.9% at the end of the year, peaking towards about 1.8% during the first quarter. 
it's come back a little bit to about 1.65 in, in in recent days and weeks but but obviously that it, you know that is a fairly significant shift in a short period of time uh, reflects those expectations around inflation obviously with the level of stimulus uh, that has been pumped into the US economy in particular inflation expectations have heightened uh, and that has been reflected in both the the short term money market rates and also the the bond yields again you know we are going back to what you said and uh, about the difference between eurozone and the US that is reflected in bond markets as well whilst eurozone bond yields have ticked up a little bit it hasn't been as significant as we've seen in the US and that's something we expect to see continuing over the next couple of months yeah, and I suppose as we look to the outlook, whilst uh, growth forecasts have been revised higher, you know, we still have to bear in mind that there, there are risks there. Uh, we're seeing at the moment, just in terms of the vaccine rollouts and that, even where it has been successful around certain vaccines, issues around that. And also, uh, you know, as we're seeing over the last while, new variants of the virus, you know, are, are present. So we're likely to see restrictions and some uh, remain in place for some time. So even though forecasts have been revised higher, uh, for the global outlook, uh, we still need to bear in mind that there are risks to the outlook because we're still dealing with a with a pandemic that causes some uncertainty and the impact that still will have on, on business and consumer confidence. John, if I may stay with you there now and turning to the FX markets, with an appreciation predicted by few, the dollar has gained 2% against the euro since early January, while sterling posted its best quarterly performance since 2015 against the euro. Can they sustain current levels, do you think, as we move through the quarters? You know, can, can the euro catch up? Really, the, the, the key thing that will underpin the euro is, is a ramping up of the vaccine rollout program uh, in the eurozone. So as we've talked there, you know, what's helped uh, initially, the key mover in the currency market in terms of majors uh, since in the la- in first quarter was, was the UK because of the success uh, of the UK vaccine program. And that helped underpin sterling we saw euro sterling move back from close to 90p down below 86p and more recently then we've seen the dollar underpinned by that you know pretty extensive hardening in u.s rate hike expectations so for the euro to recover some of that lost ground it itself needs to see more positive news on the vaccine rollout front and at the moment it's complicated by the fact that you're seeing france back in in a nationwide lockdown and restrictions have been heightened in Germany and Italy. So really for the euro to regain some ground, it's very much dependent on more you know, successful rollout of the vaccines in the eurozone, which will allow it to gradually uh, ease back uh, on restrictions. So at the moment, it's been hampered uh, by, by just the more negative news flow there. So in terms of levels to keep an eye out for, well, Euro dollar has tested below that 118 level. There is strong support for euro dollar in the 116 to 118 range. Now, at the start of the year, we had thought that euro dollar would spend this year in a 120 to 125 range. Uh, obviously, as over the last couple of weeks, we've seen the euro hampered by the negative news flow on COVID. Uh, so we think for this year, as we move through the year and as the eurozone sees some improvement in its vaccine rollout and some easing of restrictions, we think that will help the euro regain some ground against the dollar. But it's probably going to struggle to get back up towards that 120 level uh, before the end of the year. Similarly, with sterling, euro sterling could probably edge slightly higher, move up towards 86, 87 p as we move into the second half of the year. But, you know, no major sharp, sharp appreciation of the euro, more gradual, underpinned by uh, an improvement in the vaccine rollout in the region. Thanks, John. And Connor, anything in particular you'd be looking for in the markets, you know, sectors at risk or potential game changers ahead? Well, I think, you know, the, the main drivers of markets, you know, over the last you know 12 months really are the ones that we expect to continue. So it is that, 
you know, story around, uh, you know, level of, of stimulus packages. Uh, we've seen, you know, the US being the, the leader in that regard. Um, and we expect that, you know, Europe will catch up to some extent uh, as regards, you know, stimulus if required. I suppose what, you know, what we'd be very conscious of is, you know, any unexpected changes in monetary policy, uh, going back to what we discussed uh, around the, the growth prospects, inflation, short-term interest rates, etc. You know, we, we are in a, in a our, our markets are in a, in, you know, in a bit of a, a virtual debate with the Fed at, at the moment around, you know, where interest rates are going to go and how quickly, uh, you know, we would be at the moment, you know, in the Fed's ca- camp as regards, you know, we don't see interest rates being increased, um, you know, anytime soon. But obviously, you know, based on the numbers, you know, John outlined earlier, the market is taking a slightly different view on that. So I suppose if, if we saw any changes to uh, Fed policy or European Central Bank monetary policy that was unexpected to us, you know, that that would potentially be a game changer for, for both equity on, and bond markets. Thanks, Connor. And that volatility or potential volatility we've talked about must, of course, be a concern for our customers. Is there any key issues your clients are concerned about at the moment? Well, they're concerned about the whole COVID situation, lockdowns for how much longer. And obviously that ties very much into the vaccination rollout story. I think in general, in Ireland, we'd be disappointed with how the, the vaccine rollout has gone so far obviously supply issues there early on. Uh, I think there would be an expectation from um, our customers and again, investors in general that, you know, we are going to see, uh, you know, that rapid surge in activity once restrictions are lifted. Unfortunately, we're going to be a little bit later than the likes of the UK and the US because of the vaccination program. But, you know, undoubtedly, you know, at some point in the second half of this year, we should see some of that pent-up demand uh, being released in, into the economy. Customers, I suppose, from, from, a, you know, from a personal point of view, are, are concerned about uh, how long, how much longer the restrictions might last and obviously the impact that has on their investments. I suppose a, another factor which has come into the frame of late, again, refers back to the US. Obviously, they had the large stimulus packages in response to COVID. And then just uh, in the last week or 10 days, We've had a bit more detail on Biden's proposed infrastructure spending plan, which is effectively you know, another stimulus measure from the, from the Biden administration. And mentioned there, uh, as was mentioned during the election campaign, of some or all of that infrastructure spend being funded by tax increases for both corporates and wealthy individuals in the states. And we've also seen or heard both Biden and uh, Janet Yellen uh, speak about corporate tax rates on a global level. So obviously that's worrying from, again, Ireland Inc. as regards foreign direct investment, etc. But also, I suppose, in more general terms, it means higher taxes, particularly for corporates in the US, ultimately hit bottom line and would have an impact on corporate earnings and profits if, if and when those are introduced. Thanks, Connor. And then just to, to wrap it up, I suppose, and as we have done before, what advice do you have for your customers? Well, I guess at the, the risk of uh, sounding like, like a broken record uh, for, for anyone who remembers records, our advice would remain the same. It's about you know, staying in the markets for the long term, having a, you know, a properly diversified portfolio, 
and not panicking when we see downturns in the market. Um, and I suppose you know th- those those points are are very important. We're in a period now where you know markets have been on a very strong upward trend for over twelve months. We we have looked at studies which show that uh, markets can still move ahead in the second in the second year of a recovery, uh, but there probably is a greater likelihood of a pullback in that second year of recovery. So uh, that's why it's important, you know, to to stick with it. And the diversification is also very important, particularly at the moment where we have seen that shift from some of the the, the growth sectors into the more value sectors. We would again always recommend to our, our clients in their portfolios that they have a blended approach to equity investment in particular, whereby they're not overexposed to any particular sectors or areas of the market. Thanks, Connor. So the message really is to stay diversified, stay calm, and of course, don't panic. Uh, Connor and John, I very much appreciate you joining me today and sharing your informed views with me. Plenty to look forward to as we go ahead. I suspect we'll probably still be talking about vaccinations and the impact across the economies as we go into the podcast again next quarter. The quarterly investment market and review bulletin will shortly be available for download. My thanks to our customers and listeners for joining us on the podcast today. Don't forget, for those customers impacted, details of AIB support packages can be found at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. And of course, stay close to all our latest podcasts by pressing the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Stay safe, stay well, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.